Welcome to the Tipsy Theology Podcast. We've got a special episode for you today. It is Wine Wednesday because it's Good Friday. And we wanted to take this day and, and to discuss the main thing. What's the main thing, Trey? The main thing is this. Who killed God? On the cross. So we figured it'd probably be smart of us if we if we did some wine today just to be a little symbolic. We also kind yeah. of dressed symbolically. Paul decided to go for the funeral look. <laughs> I guess that tells you his <laughs> theology of... I'm in mourning today. <laughs> I went ahead and went with purple because Jesus is king. You just skipped king. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to we wanted to dive into what what is it about Good Friday? Where where was God on Good Friday? Mm-hmm. And why did Good Friday come to be? Why so, did it? Yeah, why did it have to happen? Why did it why did it happen? Did it have to happen? Mm. These are some of the questions we want to get into today. So, so Paul, why don't you start us off? With... Can we cheers? Do we cheers wine? We do. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say hell yeah on Good Friday? Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's heaven yeah, buddy. Heaven yeah. That's like freedom fries <laughs> versus French fries. <laughs> this is now an explicit episode. <laughs> That's good wine. It's good wine. No, I actually, so I'll say really quickly, I have a bottle of this. I bought two bottles back in the day, um, <laughs> and I still have one of them. It's a 2015, <laughs> and I have no idea if it's any good still, <laughs> but I still have it. It's wine, man. It gets better. I think so. It Part of it, because I was asking a, fr- a wine friend about it, um, and he was saying that it should be, it should still be good as long as I took care of it, and they bottled it properly, so I'm hoping. Yeah. This, I, is, this one's a 2018. So we're going old school today. <laughs> Man, before COVID, what was that like? I know. You were having a taste of pre-COVID. <laughs> Anyways. You, um, Let's hop into it. Well, first, I, I do want to say we got to remember to only let me have one glass today, right? I'm drinking, yes. I'm drinking one glass of wine today, maybe two. <laughs> and then, then Paul's drinking a bottle. I have to. <laughs> Since you can't, I have to do it. <laughs> you're, you're like the uh, the Catholic priest doing mass. <laughs> got to get rid of the elements. <laughs> They're like, can we have another service, please? <laughs> <laughs> We're about to get canceled. <laughs> oh man! All right. <laughs> so I'll start with this, and then I want to I hear you go into it. Yeah, of course. So this is what I wrote to you a few days ago when we were talking about this a little bit, and it's this: Jesus had to die because the powers and principalities wanted to get rid of him. He was a blasphemer on earth, and also a threat to Satan's authority. Okay. So so dive into that. Yeah, so I'll start with the first part, which is the blasphemer. Mm-hmm. Jesus the blasphemer, you don't hear that very often. I feel like that would be considered blasphemy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. Um, so yeah, so I wrote down a few. So there's a number of reasons uh, why the Jewish leaders wanted Jesus put to death. So the first one is he challenged their authority. So these are the religious leaders. He called them bunch of whitewashed tombs and snakes <laughs> and he disobeyed their rules which kind of goes into the second point he broke their laws about sabbath observance observance jesus healed people on the sabbath but the jewish leaders defined this as work which was forbidden yeah 
so far he's not off to a good start. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the religious leaders don't like him. Yeah. Who else doesn't like him? So uh, he mixed with people the Jewish leaders regarded as unclean. Um, in that same sense, I feel like even the people around him are looking at that. They're looking at him and being like, why is he dealing with these unclean people? Why is he spending his time with them? Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is heavy on, on the religious leaders, but also it kind of, they're the figureheads of the culture as a whole. Okay. You know, he's kind of a threat to a lot of people. Uh, and the last one, he claims, uh, he made claims about himself the Jewish leaders could not accept. For example, that he was God, that he and God were one. He was the son of God and the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Those are some big offenses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, the the power, the, the other powers that be, like the, the Roman Empire. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting. So I feel, I from what I remember, um, they were kind of in an interesting place with this whole thing where it seems like, an, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, this is me going off memory now, is they were kind of like, well, cool, you guys do what you do, <laughs> but as soon as it bothers us, then it's our problem now too. Yeah. Because we don't want you to threaten the reign or the authority of Caesar. Mm-hmm. So as long as what they're doing is of no threat to the Roman Empire, they're free to do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think Jesus was was a threat to the Roman Empire. He was. I think a lot of the things he said was... Well, that's why they wanted to kill him. Yeah, yeah, and he was when an he insurrectionist. Was a yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, even looking at Palm Sunday, that was a big deal. This dude's walking through. Is there going to be a riot going on? Yeah. What's this troublemaker doing? <laughs> He's causing problems. Okay, and so then, then you have a third, uh, I guess, agent, you could say, that, mm-hmm. that wanted Jesus dead, who... who wanted Jesus killed and I think this is something we disagree on so hmm. we should spend spend a little bit of time on this yeah so, so tell, me, tell about me about this this third so are you referring to Satan I'm referring to Satan yeah right on that guy <laughs> the accuser yeah so this goes into which I've got more written on this is um, Jesus in the wilderness yeah which I think is when we see these two things come to a head um, in the sense so I'll start I'll, I'll, I'll kind of read off what I have here um, so this scene I'll start with the scene is not arbitrary Jesus in the, going into the wilderness is not just this random thing they threw in there. Are you, are you, are you, so are you saying that there's some arbitrary elements in the Bible? No, I'm saying this one definitely isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think there's, it, it, I say that in the sense of, I think when we read things, if we don't totally understand it, it's easier for be like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's so many things we brush over because we don't understand it. Um, which, But that doesn't mean it's arbitrary just because we don't get it. It yeah. just means we don't get it. Um. So yeah, going into that a little bit. So the Greek tran- the Greek term translated wilderness, eremos. <laughs> I'm not a Greek speaker. I like that. So I thank like you. That. Say it one more time. Eremos. <laughs> I threw a little. It's a little sarc- sexy. That's a little too sexy. It is. <laughs> Do they roll their R's in Greek? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not. I can't do it. So that is used in the Septuagint translation of the destination of the goat Azazel, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you're familiar with that, um, or the goat for Azazel. So that's Leviticus 16:10. So I wrote it down just for anyone who doesn't know, because that's a crazy word to throw out there, crazy title. So it's a uh, in Jewish legends. Uh, it's a demon or evil spirit to whom, in the ancient rite of Yom, K- Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, a scapegoat was sent bearing the sins of the Jewish people. Two male goats were chosen for the ritual, one designated by Lot's for the Lord and the other for Azazel. So his his domain is the wilderness in which they sent the scapegoat out okay. into. Um, 
So it was a desolate place described by Isaiah. Um, it was the desolate place described by Isaiah that was home to preternatural creatures associated with evil spirits, which is, I've wrote references in here too. It's Isaiah 13, 9. Um, Joseph Fitzmaier, uh, who's a fella. <laughs> so he wrote uh, the gospel according to Luke 1 through 9. Um, where am I? Observes by the desert. The wilderness of Judea is meant perhaps as a place of contact with God, but more so as an abode of wild beasts and demons. This double aspect of the desert thus confronts Jesus. So we kind of see him, if we're, if we're using those, those ideas, it's him kind of going and confronting these things. Mm-hmm. He's going into their domain. Yeah. Yeah. So then, continuing on, in Second Temple Jewish thought, <laughs> the desert wilderness was where the goat for Azazel was driven and where the demonic Azazel was imprisoned. Consequently, that the Spirit drove Jesus to this place after his baptism seems kind of odd. Uh, why would the Spirit compel Jesus to face this evil? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially being fasted for, for a few days, that's, uh, yeah. that's tough. So the answer is to be found in how the New Testament writers wanted to portray Jesus in light of the Old Testament history and theology. The Gospels, especially Matthew, cast Jesus' ministry as a new Exodus event. Jesus' baptism and temptation in the wilderness parallel Isaiah's passing through the sea before heading into the wilderness on the way to Canaan, the land promised to them by Yahweh. So, but Israel's faith and loyalty to Yahweh faltered, Judges 2, 11 through 15, they were eventually seduced by the hostile divine powers, demons, whose domain was the wilderness, Deuteronomy 32, 15 through 20. Jesus was the messianic son of God and royal representative of the nation, and he would succeed where Israel failed. So I think that's kind of the big picture that we're seeing here. It's kind of, we're seeing this parallel of Jesus overcoming where Israel had faltered and failed. Okay. And so he's, this is the story, this narrative of him overcoming that and being that. I guess yeah, having victory over that. Okay. Yeah. So so I've I've been saying a lot. Talk a little bit. Yeah. So what you're you're describing here is is uh if we're speaking of atonement theories is the scapegoat theory. Mm. Jesus is the scapegoat, right? And so you're also ha- first try to explain to me what this how does this relate to the cross? Yeah. So I think this is a huge part um, and it goes into especially the third temptation that Satan um, tempts Jesus with, which I have it here. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. So it's funny. I've heard a lot of different people say, I've heard some people say like, oh, well, that's silly because Satan doesn't own him anyway. And it, I think that's pretty funny because it's like, well, if you read particular Deuteronomy 32, um, he did have domain over these. He did have authority over these places. And so one of the main reasons of the cross, and we see afterwards Jesus saying, I'm taking everything back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially in Babel or Babel, we see God kind of um, abandon these other places, these other nations, and says, Israel's my portion. This is my, these are my people. But then because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death and resurrection, he's saying, all right, cool, I'm coming back and I'm going, coming for every nation. I'm taking it all back. Okay. And so Satan, in effect, is saying, hey, if you worship me, I'll give it to you. Yeah. So there's that. It's interesting because in a sense, he knows kind of what Jesus wants. He's like, I know you want it back. Mm, that's and I'll give it to you if you worship me. Basically saying, 
Satan still has authority over it. <laughs> That's an interesting way of looking at that. Yeah. I think I like that, actually. Huh. The, I guess when it comes to the cross, though, I think where we differ mm. is I see um, the wilderness experience <clears throat> as Christ overcomes Satan in the wilderness, and that's that. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, well, after the wilderness experience, we don't see the gospel writers talking about Satan in any yeah any way like that anymore. It's like this is no longer between Jesus and Satan. Yeah, and I agree because in that sense, Jesus had overcome it because he had he had overcome those temptations and said, "No, this is not how it's going to happen." He he had he had succeeded where Israel failed. He'd said, "No, this isn't you know, I'm not I'm not falling for this. This is I'm doing it, you know, my way." <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? It so makes sense. So I agree. Sense. So that that shows that victory over over that I guess power play, that authority play. And I guess I guess where I'm trying to better understand is mm. so where where is Satan on the cross? In, in the cross in the crucifixion story. Hmm. And so I feel like in that sense, we see that more in the aftermath where he thinks that they, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, these supernatural beings, these divine beings thought they won. Mm. They thought they, they got rid of them. They thought they won because Jesus you is can, dead. Yeah. And you can especially see that later in Revelation where Jesus yeah. um, writes the, the letters to the churches. And we see the way he's writing is kind of like, yeah, I got you guys. <laughs> Well, uh, well I, I does that s- make sense? Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of I think it's Revelation three where it says that that Jesus went down to Hades and mm. he took the keys of Hades from the devil mm. from Satan. So, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so that that's kind of what would be my answer to that. Where's the where's Satan there? Um, well, he thought he won. <laughs> he thought, oh, we finally got rid of this guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, Satan's a whole nother conversation <laughs> on, on, on what Satan is. <laughs> yeah. But, yes. That is a huge conversation. I, I, I like, I put my stamp of approval on that as a symbolic wow. language, but who, yeah. the Satan conversation, that's that's got to go deeper, I think. Yeah, I've got a lot but as, to talk about. <laughs> as we make our way back to the cross, yeah, I want to ask you, where's God hmm. in the crucifixion? Hmm. So my answer to that, and I want to hear your side too. I've been saying a lot of words. Um, can I can I first say why? Yeah, I want to ask that question, please. Because, and this is a very this is, I mean the the two most held beliefs about atonement on the cross in America uh, is you know on some satisfaction satisfaction theory, and then Calvin's. Uh, um, penal substitution theory, mm. and both of those is Christ had to die to either in on Psalms it's to satisfy God's wrath, mm-hmm. or in um, Calvin is to suffer our punishment mm. on our behalf for God. God is the yeah. one that's saying you deserve punishment, but Christ has taken that on Himself. Hmm. And so the reason I ask that question is, well, with both of those theories, yeah, I have a problem with them because, well, maybe it's easiest to explain with a meme I saw a couple of years ago, where it was, uh, what's that guy on, uh, 
the Emperor's New Groove, the the big swollen. one. Oh, um, I know you mean Kronk. Yeah, Kronk. Thank yeah. You. So, so <laughs> there's a meme where it's like when God sacrifices God self to God, <laughs> and then it's got the Kronk picture, and he says, "This is all coming together." It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways where's where's god paul where mm. is he you know that's a, that's a fair question and i know i guess even hearing you kind of answer those a little bit i don't actually know that i i have an answer to that in the larger picture i don't know if there's i don't know if there's a spot that i fall mm-hmm. harshly on one way or the other okay so i guess where i would say right now is where where is god on the cross well he's he's the judge is where was where I would put him. Okay. Judge over what? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I mean, judge over everything, but <laughs> I kind of put that into the the judgment. So this goes into a little bit of yeah, a lot of things. But <laughs> Trey's laughing. Trey's this laughing. is a really difficult conversation. It is. No, it's really tough, and I, that's part of it too. It's like there's a whole lot in here that I've. I've never actually thought too plainly about this. Um, so who I would say, yeah, God is judge over everything. And when we experience death, we go through a judgment period okay. of, are you, I guess, righteous or not, <laughs> to put it that way. All right. If I was to answer the question, where is yeah. God in the crucifixion? I would say he's in Christ. Hmm. God is being fully revealed on the cross. Like, one way I would say it is two gods died on the cross. Hmm. The one we thought we knew and the God that was revealed in Christ. Hmm. And only one of them rose that Sunday. So Christ himself is revealing who God is in God's fullness. Therefore, whenever we go back to the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, and we read a passage that contradicts who Christ is, we've ro- we've read it wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Christ is the interpreting lens mm-hmm. for the Hebrew scriptures. So God has always been, this is something that Brian Zahn says, God has always been like Jesus. Hmm. We just didn't know it. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge part to bring up too in the sense that... Um, I mean, this goes into, I don't remember the word for it. Uh, even a belief in Old Testament uh, Israel is that there are two persons. Um, and so it's interesting. I think that's that's one of those things where it goes into, even when Jesus coming down, it's like, this is huge deal. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. you're saying you're this person? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I think, so that that is, say that last part again, what you said. That that God is fully revealed in Christ on the, on the yeah. cross? Yeah. Yeah, God has always been like in that. I remember what it was. So it's the contradictory nature of it, and it's true. It's like there is no contradiction because we're talking about the same person. Does that make sense? Exactly. So exactly. What, Jesus, what Jesus yeah. is saying is no contradiction of the old. So Testament. that's and if that's it does, where I'm trying to go. Yeah. Yeah, and if it does contradict, this goes back into well, a little bit of what I was saying earlier. Then he is guilty of blasphemy. I. Maybe this is just semantics, but yeah. I would I would say uh, maybe the Old Testament is contradictory, but the Old Testament God is not. 
So, okay. So the Old Testament may pin a God that mm. is not like Christ, but Christ is the interpreting lens for when we go back to those scriptures, what God those scriptures make us believe in or lead us to believe in is going to look like Christ. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think so. I think I know what you're, what you're saying. So well, it's basically saying when we look back to these, these things are pointing to Christ. Well, we, what we can read and they appear contradictory, we, we realize, no, they're actually fulfilled in who Christ is. Christ revealed those seeming contradictions. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that there are contradictions. Okay. I, I think I'm, I'm taking a firm stance that there are contradictions in the Old Testament. And the, and that's because, of course, I'm here again on my <laughs> liberal high horse. Hop on that, <laughs> But I, of course, I don't believe the scriptures are completely uh, inerrant, which is a conversation we're going to get into. I do believe they are inspired. Mm-hmm. I'd love to jump into that. But I think, and I think, and I, I will say quickly, just my my point on that. I'd say quickly. Um, I agree there are contradictions in scripture, mm-hmm. but they are not anything that has been spoken by God that is contradictory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, look, so now are you saying this Bible's not inerrant? Like, <laughs> no, you... I'm saying I'm saying things that people have said in Scripture. There's recorded contradictions and heresies. <laughs> so, just I'm trying to summarize what yeah. I'm trying to say here is I'm saying that the God that is accounted for in the Old Testament that there are a lot of psychologizing going on there hmm. of what they think God is like. Okay. So the Old Testament God is not always aligned with how the Old Testament presents him. Because Jesus okay, reveals God for who he truly is. Hmm. So, <laughs> I didn't expect to get into all of that. No, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. And I want to dive more into that. but <laughs> Which I'm sure we will in a later spot. I don't want to, I don't want to dive too far off of the main topic here. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's Good Friday, man. We're just having a good time good. drinking wine. We are. Wine does some weird stuff too, I guess. <laughs> Give me a half glass. All right. All right. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the vaccine today and I looked up everywhere and it says it's okay to still drink. So. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, the one thing I wanted to stress today is the the cross reveals who God has always been. Mm. And God, where is God? On the cross. God is yeah. not. And of course, I mean, that, that gets into atonement theories where we're saying, well, what's, is, is Christ atoning for something, mm. you know? Because mm. uh, atonement means like that, that God is requiring this death. And this is too big of a topic, but I don't think that... There's a whole lot of sub-points inside of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, so what's, so let, let's, let's, let's take a step back then. What's the most important aspect of this? And so we posed the question earlier, <laughs> why did Jesus die? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or what, you know, who killed God? So in that, so let, let's, let's ask that question again and taking a step back. I want to say that why did God die? Because he broke the law. Hmm. He fit the crime. Hmm. And that that revealed how the law was flawed. Hmm. 
And so it's not, I don't, I'm not, it's not some supernatural evil that requires, that is requiring this death, or it's not the supernatural God requiring this death, but God knew. I was thinking about it earlier. I was thinking of uh, the a conversation between God the Father and Christ the Son, hmm. where it's basically they're in heaven before Christ has embodied a person and come to earth. And sorry if this sounds like modalism. I'm not trying to. <laughs> but God the Father turns to Christ and says, if we do this, they're going to kill us. And Christ says, it's worth it. It's worth it to become human, to embody our creation and be one with them. So my, I, I think in, in Western Christianity, we, we put too much focus on the, the, the soteriology of the cross when soteriology is like salvation. Mm-hmm. We put all the emph- emphasis on the cross and not enough emphasis on the birth, life, death, and resurrection, and mm. ascension. All, everything that Christ did was yeah. soteriological in nature. It was all salvific. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the cross. Yeah. I think that's that's a central point that we look at. But, which, and I agree, I think there's, I think there's more to that in the sense of looking at the whole picture of it. There's this, I think, this part here, because people love, we love the climax. Yeah. This is the climax of the story. But there's still more. You know, that's not that's not the whole story. Yeah. Well, so Plato, this is this is in line with kind of like the, the, illust- I've been waiting for. the illustration I get. <laughs> Plato, he wrote The Republic in 390, 390, I think, before Christ. Hmm. And he basically said, if a just, perfect, righteous person actually did exist, he would be crucified. He would be beaten and crucified. Hmm. Because the law does not, it, it, and this is, this is, I'm going beyond what Plato was saying to try to explain yeah. why he would even say something like that. Because the law is flawed. Hmm. That the systems that we have in place, and this is, to something I kind of wanted to get into, but not, I, I didn't want to like, you know, provoke any like, I didn't want to get too progressive again, you know, because yeah, right. I'm trying to, to mold these things together. And a lot of people will say that, you know, the over a big overarching theme is empire versus Christ's reign, mm. right? So we have Rome's empire versus the one that Jesus was trying to establish. Hmm. And so we, it, it's in the Bible, though. Like, gospel was a Roman word used to say, hey, this is good news yeah. that Caesar is in charge because Caesar has military power. Mm. And Christ was trying to establish a gospel This this is good news, and it's actually good news for everybody. Mm. There's no need for military power. There's mm. no need for violence. Yeah. Because I'm the way of peace. And that was true peace. That was a huge. That was a huge disagreement, even with the people. <laughs> you know, like we look at. I know it's talked about on, on Palm Sunday a lot. The idea that here comes this guy. He's going to rescue us. He's going to tear this military power down and rebuild a bigger civilization, a bigger empire. And he's like, no, <laughs> that's not what I'm here for. Yeah, 
Exactly. And that's kind of what I mean by two gods died. Mm. The god that they expected to mm. to reign with oh, power and might. Yeah. And Jesus. Mm. And the god that, that they wanted to come and be their messiah. Yeah. Messiah was political language too. Like They wanted to come and overthrow the government. Mm. And establish the reign with with military might. And Christ said, that's not the way I do things. Mm-hmm. It's funny, too, because when I look at that, too, it's like that's such a small, specific, tiny area. And that's the game that we play. <laughs> I think a lot of times in our brains, we like to look at this really small section and be like, this is it. This is the silver bullet. We do that with everything. And we it's difficult for us to look beyond that. And say, no, there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger, there's a bigger game happening. And I think that that was an example of even with Jesus. People are here like, oh, cool, he's gonna come and help us right now in this exact situation we're in. Yeah. He's like, I'm not here to help with this specific situation. (laughs) (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was doing he was doing it, which goes back to why Plato could prophesy that if the perfect person came, they would be killed. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he's not going to pander to anybody. Right. <laughs> he is on a mission. literally walking <laughs> the perfect path. Yeah. And people don't know what to do with that. Yeah, we don't. So we, we kill people that are like that. And there's only <laughs> been one person like that. Yeah. It's funny, even taking that example to a smaller scale, if there's somebody who's doing something and it's like, oh, that makes me feel bad. <laughs> how how quick are we to try to pull them down into our situation? Yeah. That's interesting. All right, And well, I, th- I think that's an example of it. We've been going for a while. We have. And, I mean, we intended to be a little longer than our typical Wednesday episodes, but... Yeah, yeah. We're going... We're almost going full length here. <laughs> What's the take home? Hmm. Who killed God and why is it important? Yeah. And what I would say is who killed God? Well, we all did. Mm. Dang it, Paul. <laughs> That's a whole... <laughs> for I mean, for the same reasons that you quoted Plato and what we're talking about, I think that kind of goes into it. If it wasn't us right now, it wasn't me particularly, uh, if he was here now, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. No, I think that's correct. That's, yeah. Uh, I th- and I think that's, I'll, I'll say it quickly too, I think that's the one thing that I've been learning, especially reading Old Testament, going into my own testimony. It's like there's things where like you read Old Testament, you look at the Israelites, and you're like, God just did this awesome thing. And then here they are just building a golden calf, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> 10 minutes later. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I look at them and I'm like, what a bunch of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> like they're stupid. But then I look at my own life like, I've done the exact same thing, only I'm probably worse. You know, or at best the exact same. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's indicative of human nature. Is yeah, we want to create our own gods. Yeah, we like power, which is why, back to my two gods died on the cross, mm. the one we created, and the real one, mm. and the real one rose again. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad you said that. That's awesome. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> He came back. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, man. Does that speak a message for those of us who wield God and we wield the scriptures to mm. try to coerce others yeah. in our way rather than letting Christ be Christ, rather than letting Jesus be Jesus? Mm. And 
I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm guilty of it. Yeah, me too. I, I use the Bible for my intended needs all the time, mm-hmm. and I have to repent of it. Yeah, and so I guess trying if if I to close up, let's close the tab. <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our main episode language, but I think it applies here. <laughs> let's close it. I guess, and I hate to not, I hate to draw away from the crucifixion, mm-hmm. but if I had a prayer to utter to God on this Good Friday, I would say, thank you, Jesus, for risking your life to be with us. Hmm. Well, guys, thanks for joining us on this special episode of the Tipsy Theology Podcast. This has been Wine Wednesday. Wine Wednesday. I think, as always, thank you. Yeah, thank you again for listening. I hope that, at the best, we helped make your brain think. (laughs) (laughs) At the worst, you stopped listening. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's our goal we want to we're not teachers we're here to start conversations we want to dive into things that we know a little bit about we want to learn more about we're truth seekers and i think that's where we all should be and continue to seek forward in that and if we're wrong correct us god help us (laughs) (laughs) and if we're right let's continue to test it Mm. all right Awesome, man. (laughs) Well, thank you guys again. Um, Thank you to Maximize Digital Media and Annie Uli for producing this episode. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Happy Good Friday.